Hey, how's it going? It's Scott Mitchell, and this is episode number seven of the Somewhat Bland Substance podcast. If you're listening today being Monday, Victoria Day, happy May Long weekend to you. Hopefully you managed to get out and enjoy it. I know up here, specifically in Lac La Biche, things were quite nice this past weekend. A little bit cloudy yesterday, but still uh, not a bad temperature or anything like that. So I know a lot of people were getting out and enjoying the lake and just enjoying whatever they possibly could outside before the rain comes and I can tell you that we desperately do need a little bit of rain even to just make sure that uh, we don't sit with a fire ban necessarily for all too long, especially with the fact that people are looking to get outside and do a few things because you can't really do a whole lot inside for that matter. Speaking of that, we're going to talk coming up in the second half of the show today about uh, the restrictions being eased a little bit as part of the economy reopening and whatnot, and uh, just talk about the fact that now you can have outdoor gatherings of more people than what you could before. Indoor gatherings are still quite limited, though, of course, because of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that will be coming up a little bit later on. Also, I'm going to be joined uh, on the way in just a little bit in uh, about 15 minutes or so by my good buddy Tim Gavin of the Tim Gavin Show for another episode of Still the Number One. This week, we're going to look back on the year 2001 in music. So just hang on tight for that. I want to start the show off today by talking about a very sad note. This is absolutely terrible. If you missed the news yesterday, a uh, jet belonging to the Snowbirds crashed in Kamloops. Happened during a flyover, of course. The flyover was aimed at boosting morale during the COVID-19 pandemic. Everyone was encouraged that if you were along the flight path to keep your eyes to the skies. Of course, they were going coast to coast to try to boost people's morale because of all this. You know, everyone has been self-isolating and socially distancing themselves. So this is a way to get outside and put your eyes to the sky and watch the snowbirds do their maneuvers and do their flyovers. Uh, And unfortunately, that mission that was aimed to create joy had tragedy yesterday. So uh, very unfortunate. Captain Jennifer Casey was killed. Captain Richard McDougall injured after their jet crashed down in a residential neighborhood. Uh, 70-year-old residents of the house where the jet crashed are reportedly fine. And a witness who lives near the crash site said he saw the snowbird just going straight down. And you watch the video and it's very, very eerie. So our hearts go out, of course. And our thoughts go out to the families of Captain Jennifer Casey and Captain Richard McDougall. And our hearts definitely go out, too, to Nova Scotia, uh, where Captain Jennifer Casey was originally from. She was grew up in Halifax and went to university there. And she's also a former journalist in both Ontario as well as Halifax and worked for radio stations in those areas. Uh, and let me tell you, as somebody who has worked in the radio industry for a number of years. It does, within the industry, get close to home as well when somebody who was even, you know, a former member of our industry passes away. Even though myself, I never knew Captain Jennifer Casey, but there's a good chance that somewhere amongst the people I know through the industry, there's a good chance that they 
probably met her at some point or perhaps even worked with her. So, of course, our hearts go out to everyone impacted by this. And, um, of course, the province of Nova Scotia, who has been dealing with tragedy for the last couple of weeks as well, you know, with the deadly rampage that happened just a few weeks back in uh, Nova Scotia as well. So our hearts go out to anyone who has been impacted by this for sure. Also, unfortunately, back on Friday, beloved comedian actor Fred Willard passing away at the age of 86 from natural causes. Oh, oh, okay, I understand. Uh, You have a nice day, sir. Goodbye. I could come back later, Mr. Harkin. Oh, no, 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 it's just uh, parent stuff. It, It seems that our youngest, Chris, was on something called acid and was firing a bow and arrow into a crowd. Mm. You know how kids are. That, of course, uh, was Fred as Ed Harkin in Anchorman. His daughter says he passed away peacefully. He was also known for starring in movies like Best in Show, This is Spinal Tap, Austin Powers, and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Now also on the small screen, he starred in Fernwood Tonight in the 70s and more recently in shows like New Girl, Community, and Modern Family. And I have to say, you know, I was just watching an episode of Modern Family because it's now posted on Netflix the other day where he uh, had made a guest appearance. Of course, he played Phil's dad in Modern Family. And for whatever reason, it just seemed to be... He had some great one-liners, no matter which show he was in, whether he was a star or whether he was just a guest star or a recurring actor or whatever. He always seemed to have some great one-liners and always provided some comedic relief. So yes, we're definitely, uh, we've definitely lost a great uh, comedic actor in the world here this past week. Was something that was meant to liven people's spirits through the COVID-19 pandemic and just try to make people see the good in situations that are going on around the world. John Krasinski, of course, Jim from The Office, had created his Some Good News YouTube show. That happened back eight weeks ago, and it's now on indefinite hiatus. He joked at the start of the final, at least for now, episode, that after eight weeks, it finally happened. He'd been made totally and wholly obsolete. He did have this to say, though. And that brings us to our final segment we like to call What This Show Means. Well, on a very personal note, I can tell you that I will never be able to properly articulate just how much this show has meant to me and what a tremendous honor it has been to share in all of it with you. Now, he also revealed that a Some Good merch online shopping portal where viewers can purchase fan art that other viewers have made with all proceeds going to charity has launched. And a further shout out to fans, he shared parody videos that viewers had sent in. He signed off by saying, no matter how hard things get, there is always good in the world. Thank you for making the show so very special. We will see you again. And he does have a point. You know, we're so focused on everything going on in the world because of the pandemic. And we seem to be getting hit with bad news after bad news after bad news, whether it is about the coronavirus or whether it's Captain Jennifer Casey getting killed in the snowbird crash over the weekend or insert story here for that matter. There is always something going on in the world that's good and yes we you know as media people have to read the worst news of the day every time it comes on and we sometimes forget to 
take a step back and have a breath and just look at the good things going on in the world. Absolutely. I will 100% agree with that if you say that. And I think John Krasinski really did do a good job of putting that in the forefront of showing people that, yes, there is some fantastic things that are going on despite what seems to be a very negative time and a very negative year in our lives with everything that we're looking at in general. So hats off to him for doing that, honestly, and hopefully he does bring it back in the future. Right before we do cut away for the still the number one, looking back at 2001, I do want to share this. You've probably, if you're like me, you've had a lot of Zoom calls lately. And it might not even be with your friends who are in the same towns or cities as you're in. Like I've had conversations with friends across the country over Zoom over the last number of weeks since the uh, pandemic really started everything getting shut down and all that and getting told to stay home and not visit our friends and such. And basically, it's a case of you're the only one who's drinking in your home, but you're not drinking alone. The Zoom happy hour is becoming this coronavirus phenomenon, if you will, where people are just linking up on Zoom, or maybe even for that matter, they're using the Facebook video chat, or they're doing Skype with their family or whatever, or their friends even. And basically, it's a virtual bar room. You get to have a drink with your friends without being in the same room. And I did this for my 25th birthday back uh, in April. I had a bunch of my friends get together on Zoom as well. And we just had uh, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs over the course of the evening. And just, it was great. It was, it made us forget about everything that was going on in the world. Because of the fact that we were just having a cheerful celebration despite not being in the same room or even in the same town as each other. This article, though, from the Washington Post, says you still should have some rules, some do's and don'ts for the Zoom happy hour. For example, do take your host duties seriously. If you're hosting the party, you send out the Zoom link, you have a responsibility to your guests. So depending on your settings, you may have to be in the session before anyone else can join. Be ready to welcome the group, and once everyone's online, do introductions if you need to. And don't let one person hog the conversation. I always feel like I'm hogging the conversation. (laughs) I don't know why it is. I think it's just, you know, in my nature to have conversations with people because of the fact that I'm a very personable person. I am very outgoing. I am very extroverted. And a lot of us extroverts, we're not doing okay with this whole social distancing thing, right? So now we're kind of used to it, but I always felt like I was hogging the conversation. And so if I've been on a Zoom call with you and you felt like I was hogging the conversation, I'm sorry. (laughs) I I really am. I don't mean to. It's just my nature. Number two, don't share the link without telling the host. Hosting a virtual cocktail party, basically similar to hosting in the real world, a good guest would never show up with more guests without clearing it in advance. I mean, the offer's kind of out on the table. I don't have necessarily a problem with it as long as it's people I know and people I get along with. But if it's somebody I don't know, like if I'm hosting, yeah, you're best to just clear it with me first. Don't show up late. There's no fashionably late when it comes to Zoom entertaining. It's depressing to stare at an empty screen with your cocktail. I mean, it's kind of like when you're going out for drinks anyway. People just show up 5, 10, 15 minutes late. Doesn't really bother me. Do acquaint yourself with the mute button. Your fellow partiers don't need to hear your kids fighting. Here's another option, too. Use headphones. 
I don't care if they're AirPods. I don't care if they're connected to something. Uh, and you've got your speakers going as well. You're going to get the feedback. And I would just suggest, you know, using headphones. It's so much easier. And do keep the numbers reasonable. Apparently, if you have more guests than six or eight, it might get complicated if someone starts to monopolize a conversation and if people get bored, they might be tempted to ghost the party later blaming bad Wi-Fi. And uh, don't multitask. Looking at your phone is rude. I mean, isn't that the same as going out? It's no longer where you're necessarily having a conversation with each other for the entire time that you're sitting down and you're having a beer at the local pub. You're also looking at your phone from time to time. Sure, it might be considered rude to some people, I have a feeling, though, it's one of those things of just being in our nature. Okay, uh, coming up in just a few minutes, we are going to get into a, a conversation about the first few days of the reopen of the economy, also the restrictions being relaxed when it comes to outdoor gatherings. I want to share uh, experiences with you from my first few days of dealing with that. That is coming up in just a few short minutes. Also, what's happening in other parts of the world to socially distance? Now that things are reopening. That's on the way. First, though, uh, we'll get into still the number one coming up here. It's time now for another edition of Still the Number One. Uh, Tim Gavin of the Tim Gavin Show joining me. How's it going? It's going. How's it going with you? Oh, you know, uh, I got the haircut. The haircut. Oh, you, you went yeah. out. You took the risk, eh? Oh, it was like a two-hour uh, waiting game. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So if you're uh, planning on doing that, make sure you give yourself enough time. That's for sure. See, I'm too scared to do it right now. That's fair. Yeah, and, and, that's, sure. and that's your prerogative, right? It is. I'm, I'm sure most places they're going to do the right thing, but I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> I, I'm not ready yet. It's not much different than normal, actually, to be honest. Like, uh, other than the social distancing and stuff like that, the barber had a mask on and everything. So it's it, it's pretty normal. It's just there's a few things they can't do, right? So yeah, and. Uh, Remains to be seen how long it'll last, but in the meantime, I'm sure it'll be all right. We're looking this week at 2001 for still the number one. And, and number one this week back then uh, was actually the one that had the longest consecutive run, that being Janet Jackson's All For You. A song which I completely forgot about, honestly. like <laughs> Right? Janet Jackson, <laughs> I, I feel so bad. When it comes to Janet Jackson, because, well, obviously the queen of pop and she did so much back in the 90s and early 2000s, trying to get past the shadow of being Michael Jackson's sister. And you know what? I'd say she did a great job with that. And then that one Super Bowl happened. <laughs> right. Uh, and then everything kind of just fell apart. And it, it did. And honestly, like she didn't deserve that. She still, I think, deserves to be one of like the reigning pop icons still today. I wanted to make a couple of points when it came to uh, the chart for this week. You look in the top 10 and a lot of the the songs in that top 10 list are more or less that R&B genre instead of you know what we saw through the late 80s and into the 90s where it was a lot more um of kind of the rockier stuff yeah there is kind of a kind of a change there so just quickly we'll run through the top 10 i think number 10 was uh, s club 7 never had a dream come true 
which, which is, is not the not the first song that comes to mind when I think of S Club Seven. There are at least two other S Club Seven songs that come to mind. The first I, one being S Club Party, of course. Yeah, that's the that's literally the only S Club Seven song that I remember. Bring it all back is the other one I was thinking of. Right, right, that one. That was their very first song, actually. And then number nine was uh, City High's What Would You Do, which I forgot about up until about three or four months ago. I've never even heard of this song. I, which, I hate to throw you under the bus. I'm sure it's good, but it's I, just... Ugh, I, I hate to it. throw you under the bus, but we did play it on the radio stations. Really? Yes. I don't it remember was... hearing it on the logs at all. <laughs> it wasn't in regular rotation, but it was definitely there. Let me guess, uh, one of those hold ones that you brought out every once in a while. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Shaggy, Angel. Finally, a, a song that I recognize. And then Uncle Cracker, Follow Me at number seven. Still, I'd still say that's a good song. Yeah, it is. Uh, you, you, whenever you hear it, you still just kind of jam along to it. Yeah. Without without even realizing it, you're jamming along to it. Number six was Dido and Thank You. Which I think I think Eminem is pro- probably one of the reasons why that song became popular because the chorus for Stan was the first verse for Thank yeah, You. Absolutely. Uh, and then number five is Nelly Ride With Me. Again, another song that I don't immediately think of when i think of nelly yeah that's true i mean it's it's definitely i think one of the first ones you think of but uh not the the very first right yeah very first Uh, is hot in here exactly um number four lifehouse hanging by a moment and what's really interesting about this song is even though it never got to number one on the weekly charts it was the number one song of 2001. Yeah, and uh, I actually noticed, because I went and clicked back into 2000 just to look, that, uh, and you had said that that was the first time you'd ever seen it, but if you click back into 2000, the same thing happened there. The number one song of the year was Faith Hill's Breathe, but it never hit number one on the weekly charts either. That was a country song too, so I wonder if that had a part to play in it as well. Maybe, maybe. Number three... Uh, this song would have later then became the number one song. Christina Aguilera, Lil' Kim, uh, Mia and Pink with Lady Marmalade, their cover of that. I still love hearing that song, too. That actually is a great cover. Yeah. Whenever, um, I, whenever I'd host karaoke, that song would always come out at least once a night. Really? Yeah. Like every single time someone would sing Lady Marmalade. See, and I, I don't go to karaoke all that often. The last time I went was probably last August. And I was actually surprised that the song that came up most often that people were doing, it was a Shania Twain song. And it wasn't one of the first ones that you think of. It was uh, I'm Out of Here. Yeah, normally when people sing Shania Twain in karaoke, it's usually any man of mine. That or that don't impress me much or something like that. Yeah, something but like I'm that. But I'm out of here came up twice in the same night and that confused me. Yeah. <laughs> Number two is uh, Destiny's Child Survivor. Great song from them. Absolutely. The other point I wanted to make when it came to the charts um, in the early 2000s as well, you seem to have gotten the shift back and we see it even more heavily now in the charts when you look at 2020 is, and I know you talked to Gruff about this last week, the country song started showing back up in the charts in the early 2000s. And that hadn't been seen since like early 80s at that point. There were a number in this Billboard Hot 100 list of 
country artists and country songs atop the charts. Uh, just quick list. Phil Vassar, Faith Hill, Brad Paisley, Alan Jackson, Montgomery Gentry, Sarah Evans, George Strait, Gary Allen, Lone Star, Diamond Rio, Jessica Andrews, the Dixie Chicks, Tim McGraw, Brooks and Dunn. And the top one was actually at number 26. And that was Leanne Womax. I hope you dance. Oh, yeah, man. I haven't heard that song in forever. That's a good one. From her. <laughs> I had I had to take a listen this morning just because I had completely forgotten about it. Out of all those country songs that you mentioned, though, I'd have to say Brooks and Dunn ain't nothing about you. That one is the best of the ones that charge. I, I would say it's uh, near the top of that list. That's for sure. If I'm listening to a country song at all, probably Brooks and Dunn is one of the first artists I would go for. It just you got to you got to. Yeah. <laughs> And you are see, you're still seeing some of the rock stuff on the charts. Like it's just showing up a little bit later. Number twenty eight, Matchbox Twenty. If you're gone, uh, Drive by Incubus, right at forty. Uh, Aerosmith, Jaded was at thirty as well. Right, right. That's actually, I think, an underrated Aerosmith song. Like, especially like, considering it's like later in their career. That is yeah. a really, really solid track from them. And I think it did fairly well on the charts. Actually, on the Billboard Hot 100, it got to number seven. So also slowly rising up the charts at this point, stained with It's Been a While, which is like the most Nickelback sounding non Nickelback <laughs> song. And then you uh, also got in, you know, you still got Coldplay hanging in there with yellow. The core is breathless, starting to fall down off the charts. I just scrolled past that and I'm like, he's going to mention it. He's going to mention it. Hey, I'm, I'm sorry, man. I just I love the course. Hey, uh, there's nothing wrong with that. That's yeah. for sure. Limp Biscuits on here. Number 75 with My Way. The Dave Matthews Band, uh, The Space Between, which I kind of forgot about as well. I think that's a, uh, that's a little bit of an underrated Dave Matthews Band song, I'd say. Yeah. It's not one surprising that Depeche that Mode on this list, too, with Dream On. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they were still kicking in the late 90s, early 2000s. It's just it, it's weird that they were still charting. At that point. Um, and then, yeah, you got like Linkin Park uh, further down the list with one step closer. Another great one. And stained again, close to the bottom of the list with Outside with Fred Durst. Yes. Live cut, by the way. And we can't forget to mention number 96, Daft Punk, one more time. I can't believe it's that low on the charts, though. That was like, that is an iconic song. It only peaked at 61. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that's a little bit surprising. It is. And again, like one more time by Daft Punk. I I actually think that is the best song on this whole list. And there are a lot of great songs on here. (laughs) Well, I mean, you didn't know most of the top 10, so. (laughs) That's true. Like, honestly, like, even though I've been in top 40 radio for a number of years now, like, I'm still like kind of amazed at the disconnect that I have with pop music sometimes. The uh, the Canadian uh, I think the lone Canadian on this chart, though, number 13, Nelly Furtado's I'm Like a Bird. Which I, I think that one's aged pretty well, too. It still sounds pretty fresh. Oh, yeah. Like, you're still hearing, like, even when we were at the radio stations, we were playing that one still in uh, in our gold categories and whatnot. And you still hear it on a lot of hot AC and mainstream AC stations. Not so much the top 40, of course, but... You know, it's it's solid CanCon if you need it. <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. It always works, and it's starting to flow into classic hits now 
for that matter, because it was released um, in the early 2000s and it's still it, it's got that 90s feel to it. You're going to start seeing a lot more of those types of songs showing up in classic hits radio here over the course of the next couple of years as we slowly start to adjust to who's listening again. Right. Yeah. You know, one thing that kind of blows my mind, it's probably going to get to a point where any like future classic hit stations, they might just skip over the 70s and 80s entirely and just start at the 90s. You're starting to see, I think, a little bit of that. Um, Without mentioning names, there's, you know, in the city and whatnot, there's stations that are playing throwback songs and they're starting in the 90s. And you're going to see a lot more of that as listening habits change and millennials will be listening to the radio more often than probably Spotify and stuff like that as they're getting older and they want to be more in tune with the world and what's going on in their community and stuff like that. Uh, And the millennials that are basically going to be that generation of radio listeners were the ones born in the 90s. So, of course, you're going to start seeing uh, a few more of those fresh songs from the 2000s start to come in. Man, imagine being an MD for a station like that, though. That's got to be, like, fun to just (laughs) come up with a new radio format, practically. It's kind of a case of the sky's the limit with that. You can do whatever you want to try to see what's really going to be nostalgic for those listeners. By the way, Scott, which one of these songs, at least in the top ten, which one is your favorite is it janet jackson all for you or is there another song that you think is should be the number one instead if i had to pick one it would actually probably be i'd say maybe lady marmalade i actually 100 percent agree with you i think like out of all the songs in the top 10 that one is probably and i mean it, it did come in to the number one position after Janet Jackson's All For You left. So, like, if we were doing this episode three weeks from now, that would be number one. Yeah, you know what? It would eventually. So, I mean, it, it, it did get to number one. I think looking back now at 2001, I think th- there's a few songs on that list of what actually made it to number one that... I, I don't think stand up today. Okay. And out of those songs, which one name one song that doesn't stand out or stands out as one that you think does hasn't aged as well. Uh, out of the ones that hit number one in 2001, just looking at the list, I would say Joe and Mr. Kell stutter. Yeah. You know what? I'm, I'm again, I'm totally with They're you. Like, I don't know why it was number one back in the day, but it was. And you know what? We, we see a lot of that even in uh, the 2010s. One song that comes into mind from a few years back that made it to number one and was one of the biggest songs of the year, if not the biggest song of the year, was Gautier's Somebody That I Used To Know. And you don't hear it all that often anymore. Yeah, now that I think about it, that's true. It's almost like people who are listening to music and radio and stuff like that, they're always craving something new now. And you uh, are starting to see a lot more of those. And, and even looking back to the 2000s, you're starting to see a lot more of those songs that got to number one that aren't getting as much airplay anymore. And I think this was just like a really transitional time in music as well. And you kind of see that like at the start of each decade, like it'll just be like a super weird mix before the real mainstream trends rise to the top. And I think you know, this time in 2001 is a good example of that because, of course, naturally, a few months later, 
everything would change. So being that you brought that up and you said that we start to see those trends change at the start of each decade, I'd be curious to see what's going to be the trend of the 2020s. I'm starting to get a little curious about that, too. I feel like if you had asked me back in 2019 what it was going to be, I probably would have guessed like maybe some more like country trap crossovers, but I'm starting to feel like that trend has like run its course. I, um, I was starting to think, uh, in 2019 that we were going to see a, a more of a shift towards the sixties and seventies where it was a lot of shorter songs. And we were starting to see a lot of songs click in around that minute 45 to two and a half minute mark. But I think we're going to start seeing a lot more of music trending on radio and on the Hot 100, et cetera, et cetera, that w- is trending on socials instead. So things like TikTok and whatnot. I mean, you look at the probably the top 20 right now is probably filled with songs that are popular and trending on TikTok, for example. Absolutely. And there are a few examples of that, of how songs have already happened with that, like uh, the the 2Z slide from yeah, Drake. Yeah, uh, Doja Cat. Say, Say so. so by Doja Cat. Um, Roses by St. John. Right. That is uh, another one that has basically exploded. <laughs> I like that song. Yeah, though. it is catchy. Not going to lie. Yeah. Like as much as I don't like TikTok, at least they're causing some pretty decent songs to go big. So I, I can I can at least appreciate you're going to get TikTok one of these days, Tim. If I do, it's because I'm getting paid to or work is making me. No, I, I think if I send you enough videos that are funny, you'll 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 join. Hmm. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> it's going to happen. We'll see what it's happens. Gonna happen. <laughs> But I mean, why do I need to look at TikTok when you're just sending me all the best videos anyways? All the work is being done for me. You could use that logic literally with all the Instagram stuff that you send me too. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Janet Jackson, all for you. Still the number one? As much as I think about it, even though I still have so much respect for Janet Jackson, I don't think all for you is one of her best songs. I'm going to say no on this one. Sorry, Janet. I'm going with that too. It's still the number one? No. Not at all. No. Uh, Thanks, Tim. Yeah, thanks. This has been fun. I love doing this. Welcome back to episode seven of Somewhat Bland Substance Podcast. Hey, it's Scott Mitchell. Made the comment in the Still the Number One segment with Tim that... Nowadays, it seems that there's a lot of music that's becoming popular on the radio as well as on any app. If you go look at, like, for example, I have an Android, so I go look at the charts on Google Play and you look at those and it seems to be there is a lot of songs that are making the charts now out of TikTok. They're being used as TikTok sounds and they're becoming this huge popular song on that app. And that's being translated into the real world, I'm assuming, because there are people who are going and trying to find the full version of the song just because they enjoy the 15 or 30 second clip that they might get from people over on TikTok or even less than that, for that matter. And they're like, you know what? I should go add that to my playlist or whatever. So they do. And it becomes popular. And then radio adds it and whatnot as well. I was listening to some radio over the course of the weekend through the apps, of course, and online. And a lot of the songs that they were playing, I noticed this, were TikTok songs. Like I mentioned St. John Roses in there, uh, the Imanbeck remix. We've also got, you know, Megan Thee Stallion with Savage, uh, Roddy Rich, The Box. 
Drake and the Toosie Slide. Like these songs are huge over on TikTok, and now they're making it big on radio and stuff too, which that circles back to my point I made about how we're going to see a lot more of those social media influenced songs that will be making it big probably in this decade, and we're already starting to see it. And let's be honest, TikTok hasn't been around for very long, so it's almost like a phenomenon. It's so crazy, but I think it's uh, also cool at the same time. So I wanted to chat about this. The reopening of the economy happened back on Thursday. On Friday, Dr. Dina Hinshaw, the chief medical officer of health for Alberta, announced that it's all right to have outdoor gatherings of up to 50 people, as long as everyone's doing the social distancing with themselves. So I just wanted to chat about a few things. I mentioned at the start, it's still the number one as well. The first thing I did as the economy reopened back on Thursday, was went and got a haircut. I just could not stand it anymore. And I was not the only one, for sure. And how I know that, I went to my barber at 9 a.m. thinking that, you know, it wouldn't be so, so busy then. I got there and there was just a lineup of people. And so what he was doing was he was getting people to write down their names and phone numbers on a sign-in sheet. And then he was going to call you or text you as it got close to your time. So I walked in there at nine o'clock and he's like, it'll be probably about 9.45. So I went and ran a couple of errands, went and got some groceries and then came home for a bit. Got closer to 10 o'clock. You know, I'm like, you know what? I also have to run to the bank. So I went there and I'm like, well, it doesn't pay for me to go home now. I'm just going to go sit in front of the building in my vehicle. And that's what he was encouraging was people just sit in their vehicles and wait for their turns. So I was waiting for that. And then at about 1030, finally, he came out and said to basically get in there almost 1030, I should say, because I was soon up for my haircut. And I don't think he even anticipated what was happening. I don't think anybody did, really. It was so very unpredictable what was going to happen on Economy Reopen Day. The one thing that was predictable, though, is that people basically thought that because some restrictions were getting lifted, that meant all restrictions are getting lifted. I noticed a lot of people over the course of since Thursday till now. So this is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This is day number five, where people weren't necessarily abiding by the whole social distancing guidelines thing. The six feet, the two meters, right? There were people who weren't going by that. And I actually, I shot people death looks. When I was in stores and whatnot, if they got close to me, I'm like, okay, what are you doing? Really? Like you're standing right behind me, practically breathing down my neck. That is what you're not supposed to be doing just because things are getting lifted. And we knew this was going to happen. That doesn't mean you can ease up on everything. Like you're still supposed to be you know, following arrows in stores, standing on the X marks the spots in the lines that you're not breathing down people's necks like people were with me. Perhaps if you still want to, you know, it's still suggested that you wear masks and gloves and stuff like that, but it's not mandatory. It's never been mandatory through this whole thing. I know there were people who were going out to restaurants as well. Maybe they didn't live with each other, but I hope they were still abiding by the social distancing guideline. I honestly haven't sat down at a restaurant or bar since early March. 
since before all this started happening. So I, I'm kind of interested in seeing what exactly that looks like. And I should go in at some point this week to a restaurant that's offering sit down or a pub that's allowing you to sit down. And of course, here in Alberta, it's 50 percent capacity is what they're allowed to operate at in restaurants and bars and there's no bar service either like your drinks have to be brought to the table which is fine by me i always sit down on the table anyway i didn't necessarily care for sitting down right at the bar right and i noticed there were a lot of people in the first few days specifically thursday friday saturday quieted down quite a bit but thursday and friday there were a number of people on the sidewalks there were a lot of people driving around and it was like things were somewhat back to normal though in the back of your mind you always remember that it's not so hopefully we don't shoot ourselves in the foot and have to go back to square one I implore you that if you are still not abiding by the social distancing guidelines, especially now that things are starting to get reopened, please do so. Please don't put us back where we were. (laughs) Everybody wants the economy to reopen, but we have to do it smartly. The other thing was the outdoor gatherings thing that I mentioned of up to 50 people. Absolutely fantastic. And I think Dr. Hinshaw has a point when she allows for things like that to happen and encourages people to get outside and have that human interaction even if from a distance because we're all going insane probably in this whole self-isolation i get that people weren't necessarily abiding by it but there were a lot of people who were and a lot of people who still are and the fact that we can now you know well not necessarily at the moment because there's a fire ban in place which i totally get Now they're able to go out and have a fire. If the conditions allow for it, then they can, you know, be in the same yard as each other as long as you're social distancing. Somebody's like, oh, well, 50 people's a lot of people to have in a backyard. Why? uh, Why did she say that? I'm like, she also said you're only supposed to have as many as what would be comfortable in your yard as well. You don't cram 50 people in there and expect them to social distance. Like, I've got some friends who aren't necessarily feeling all that great right now, but as soon as we can start having fires and whatnot up here in Lac-La-Biche, there's going to be, like, a grand total of four people coming over, and that's it. And it's basically going to be, I think, stick in the backyard unless you need to use the washroom, then you can go inside kind of thing, and then just disinfect after, right? Just deal with that part after. But for the most part, um, I hope that people are actually going to abide by this and it'll be so good to at least get that human, the human interaction a little bit more than what we've seen over the last couple months as an extrovert. Like I said, this hasn't necessarily been good. Uh, I did mention earlier, I wanted to talk about this. Uh, what's happening in other parts of the world to socially distance now that things are reopening? Well, customers at an eatery in Germany are wearing hats that are legit made from the swim pool noodles to make sure they stay socially distant. There's a picture of this. I should really grab a picture and throw it up on Facebook of just people wearing pool noodles on their head just so people stay away from each other and if you get too close you're getting whacked with a pool noodle that's so funny we should have been doing this from the beginning can i invest in one of those i want those for when i go to like the grocery store (laughs) honestly meanwhile a breakfast joint in ohio they've hung clear plastic shower curtains between tables to separate diners which also makes sense if you're in a smaller place of course they're gonna want to 
stay open with as much capacity as they possibly can in order to have the bills all line up with their finances and to keep the lights on, right? Apparently, that's also inspired a new drink item called the Rubber Ducky Mimosa. It's made with champagne and garnished with a rubber ducky. (laughs) Simple yet effective. Uh, And customers at a Maryland bar, once things reopen there, of course, bars and eateries still aren't allowed to serve customers on site. So when tables are reopened, they may have to wear waist-high tables on wheels surrounded by giant inner tubes to stay socially distant. Uh, it's called the Fishtails. It's a watering hole, so I mean, it makes complete sense. Shared video this past weekend of the new equipment, and basically they are six feet apart. It drinks safely, and it's just a way to kind of have fun as well. I keep asking myself, how far are we from everyone having to go into these giant hamster balls? You know, the ones that people like always have fun in, and it's almost like a summertime activity, if you will, to get those giant hamster balls and just charge at each other. Oh. You see in the videos, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's probably coming sooner rather than later. And uh, before we wrap up the show this week, something that I like doing at the end of each show, and it's something that, of course, was a big prominent feature in my radio show this week in Florida. Well, Florida man, first of all, filmed himself driving into a fish tank at a Bass Pro Shop on Mother's Day. Police are offering a $3,000 reward for his capture. Now, that's also the amount that Bass Pro Shops will have to pay to decontaminate the tank. He was uh, previously arrested for battery robbery and a handful of drug charges, but he legit drove into the fish tank and then decided to post the video on Facebook. I don't know what goes through Florida man's mind that that's what he wants to do. Hey, let's drive into the fish tank at Bass Pro Shops and post it on Facebook. Like, who thinks that's funny? Obviously, Florida man does, and the rest of the world just shakes their head. Meanwhile, a Florida couple got into an argument while grilling oysters at a public park in Florida. Here's the thing with a lot of stories coming out of Florida. It sounds like a mad lib, like insert noun and verb in different parts of the sentence, and that's what comes up as the story. So out of the Florida couple, Florida woman left with her sister, but Florida man caught up to her and doused her in beer, and she responded by stabbing him in the head with the screwdriver they'd used to shuck oysters. What? Uh, Husband and wife were eventually arrested on various battery charges, and they probably uh, should look at maybe getting divorced. Just saying. That's what happened this week in Florida, and now you're kind of caught up with everything going on in the world in case you missed any of the stories. I'm Scott Mitchell. Somewhat Bland Substance Podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, and Google Play. You can subscribe there. You can also follow me on Facebook, Scott Mitchell, and you can find me on basically any other social media at Scott Mitchell FM. Have a good one. Enjoy the rest of your main long weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. Stay safe.